Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach. Because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to season seven and welcome to our Q&A episode. Very exciting. We love these episodes. So I am, of course, joined by Matt. Indeed. Welcome to the end of season seven. Yes. We are wrapping up this season with our Q&A episode. Well, we'll see how many we get through today. It might become episodes. I did last time. It did last time. So we'll see how many we get through. Uh, we'll either aim to get through all of the questions in this episode. Otherwise, yeah, if it goes on a bit long, we'll, we'll split it up. As always, we'll give it our best. We will give it our best. Your, but Your mileage may vary on what our best actually is. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, we've got quite a few uh, questions, so we'll just see how long it takes us to answer them. But all right, what we'll do is I will read and Courtney will answer and I will press <laughs> buttons and then we'll go. Matt will read the questions as always because I stuff it up when I read the questions. And yeah, we'll answer them as best we can and we'll get through this. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right. Uh, Laura asks, what are your thoughts on meal delivery services like HelloFresh or Hungry Root? So things where the services will send you out the meals Mm. or there are some that will send you out the meals plus the groceries or the groceries to put together the meals. What are your thoughts? My thoughts. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say they're a terrible service. They're not. Because they're not a terrible service. Not at all. And they work really well for a lot of people. They can. I've encouraged some of my friends for different circumstances to actually use them. Mm. I think you just have to be careful about the reasons you want to use them. You have to really ask yourself why and what you're trying to achieve. Um, so if you're using, you know, if, if you're just, you've hit certain goals and I don't know, I, there's a hundred reasons you might use them, but I guess the easiest thing is to give the reasons why not to use them. And the reason that I would say not to use them is if you are just starting your, to me, if you're just starting this journey you really want to develop the ability to be able to learn how to create a meal and shop yourself and select the right food for you and the right food for your meals. But also figure out what is the right food for you. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think definitely the time not to use these these services is definitely when you're, you know, you're starting something new, you're starting like a new weight loss routine for yourself because I think education around what you're eating and why you're eating it and the size of things you're eating and being able to actually select the ingredients yourself uh, is really important. Mm. Um, There's obviously a place for these services, as I said, but definitely, um, you know, when you're you're starting out a new routine, that is not the time to be using it. My... My first response is, what, what are my thoughts on meal delivery services? Well, as a business owner, I think they're fucking excellent uh, because, well, they make money. And as a business owner, that, that appeals to me. Oh, to it's the, a good business concept, to, yeah. To the point where this has crossed my mind before 
I've mentioned to you, Courtney, uh, about the possibility of the weight loss podcast meal services. But there's always a but. Yeah. I I happen to agree with Courtney where things things like these sort of services, it's like, well, how much money do you want to spend? Mm. For starters, yeah, is how you know how how deep your pockets. Yep. Okay, but also as Courtney has said, and to me, it's probably the the most important answer is: Do they help you develop fundamental skills and habits and knowledge around planning for your own food, preparing your own food? But as I said before, what works for you? When I say what works for you, to get a bit more in depth on that, well, okay. What foods make you bloated or don't make you bloated? What foods make you feel lethargic? What foods make you feel energetic? What foods help you seem like you perform better at the gym or you recover better from the gym or you sleep better at night or you feel more mental alertness? What foods make you feel lean? What foods make you get lean? I think as well just being able to pick the the meat that's got the lowest fat content being well, able to select that, being able to select the sources that have the least amount of ingredients in them, being able to – that sort of thing as well, you don't get control over with these sort of well, um, services. I know the point I'm getting at is that I do agree with what Courtney said where well, – I know, I know for me, I could use a service like this and probably maximise it. Yeah. But also I couldn't be asked spending the money on that when I can do it myself. Yeah. I've developed those skills, I've developed that independence and even though I don't particularly like shopping and cooking food, etc., I still get it done, it still it still works, etc. Could I go and do something like this? Now I probably could with my knowledge of nutrition yeah. and, and my experience with this. Yeah, I probably could, yeah. but I still won't. No. Just for me personally, you know, I'm not going to I'd rather put that money into something more productive like buying more Super Nintendo games. Yeah. Right? But as Courtney said, definitely I think it can it can hinder you from a beginner standpoint, which is what's given us pause yeah. on doing it ourselves because it's like, well, are we actually teaching people things? Well, it's also like, as you said, we could do it now because we've I mean, sorry, we've when, when I say When I say we could oh, do it, I mean from, a, from, a, from a, a business yeah. thing. From a business standpoint, it doesn't make any sense for us. Um, is, it, is it empowering people? No. Where I, yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think they're necessarily a bad idea. I, I do no. agree with you, Courtney. There, there, there could be a time and a place... But if someone is ordering meals and they don't know what they're doing for them, you're still kind of taking a chance. Yeah, and I think even the ones that you get where you get sent the ingredients and you cook it yourself, which I think are oh, like a way better. Like I would never do the pre-packaged meals personally. If I was going to do anything, I'd get the ones where they send you the ingredients and you can still cook it yourself. Um, which you can kind of do yourself now anyway through um, mail-order grocery shopping. Yeah, I think like it's, doing it online. I think people like it because you get the recipe as well, and it is really easy to follow, and it's time saving for a lot of people, and also you can um, it gets you. It's an easy way to try out lots of different foods. I do. Also, I'll tell you what. I do like that as a concept. Yeah. Because it also leads into a habit of well, okay, let's now plan what I'm going to eat. Yes. And, and look at what's what's coming in here, and then put aside the time to learn the skill. Of cooking, of, of cooking yeah. and, and preparing. Yes. I like that too. But, yeah, as I said before, mentioned before, the only thing with that that I've a little bit, always been a little bit hesitant on is that the control over the ingredients isn't always as there. So mm. you get sent if – you, if you select as one of the meals the, the beef burgers, the meat 
for the beef burger gets sent to you. So I don't have a packet that I can read how much fat content's in that. As well, far also, as I'm aware. Well, it's so, also can you choose? Yeah. You can yourself. definitely select. So definitely I think to wrap this question up, I think that the more experience you have, these I think are definitely great and encourage it if that's going to fit in with your lifestyle and you can still work around it. But I think in the beginning I'm always hesitant because it doesn't teach you like I if I just did this from the beginning, let's just say I would have never learned how to read a label at the supermarket. Which is one of the things I spoke about in our last week's episode was a was a was a win for me, mm. a small win. Um, whereas I feel confident going a big into, small win, I believe big small were, win. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I think you lose that that part of the learning in the beginning. Which, well, also yeah. before before we move on, we had to apply the the magic S word to this as a concept. Is it sustainable? So yeah, if if again it goes back to what I said before, like how deep your pockets. Yeah, the money is. A is big it thing. something that you can sustain forever? If not, what happens mm-hmm. when, for whatever reason, the service goes away? So, yeah. be it through, like, say something like worst case scenario. Fuck, I've lost my fucking job. job. I've, got, I've got to tighten the belt. Travel. Tra- or, or hey, I've, I'm saving for a house. I'm saving for a wedding. Oh, we're gonna have a kid, and all of a sudden the costs are going. Yeah, blah, blah, shit, whatever. Shit yeah. happens. If for whatever reason, or hey, we've moved and they don't send them here anymore. Or to, they don't send them to this location, whatever it might be. Can you go on out on your own and do it yourself? Yeah, it's almost in a way. Could it be comparable to relying on having someone there, aka a personal trainer in person, mm. to count your reps and spot you? What happens when they're not there? Mm. Do you have the independence and the confidence and the skills to carry it on yourself? If you don't, like to me, that might mean there's a, a, a clock ticking and there's a that there's a reliance on someone or something else, which to me doesn't sit well with me because I value my independence. I value responsibility, taking personal responsibility and, and personal ownership and leadership of a situation. If this goes away, can you do it yourself? I agree. So to me, if it's like, oh, well, I'll do it for 12 weeks, like, okay, great. What happens after the 12 weeks? Yeah, that, that's why I think you have to be pretty experienced and far along to be able to really utilise something like this. Would you do it? Right now? Right now. If the money was there, would you do it? Which we could make this work. Would you do this? Yeah, I've I still been in two minds about it because I like to be able to go and select my own food. I just have this thing with I like to be able to pick my food. Nothing wrong with that. So I, I think I would try it. Let's put it that way. I think I would definitely try it and see if it helped, it had any benefits to my life. So the only reason I would do it is if it's helping you in some way. Time, um, mm. you know, the food's better, um, I, I don't know. Insert, it has to be some sort of benefit. So I'd, you'd have to try it and see. But I'd definitely try it. But the thing that I'm really hesitant on is that I like to pick my own meat. I like to pick my own food and... Yeah, I'm just not sure on that part that if I'd like it. I wouldn't be sure at all. Yeah. Um, would I try it right now? Probably not because I can do it myself. Yeah, and the, the money also. But if you're saying you're taking out the money as an excuse, it's just that that hesitation I have is from picking my own food. It's not always an excuse. To me, it's also a case of, well, okay, the money might be there, but could I better spend that elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we'll move on to the next question, having not answered the first one at all. 
Well, no, we have. We've given two good tips. Okay. Well, next question is from Casey. I work evening shifts with call and sometimes I only get a few hours of sleep a night. Would it be better to skip a workout the next day or do a workout even if I can't give it my all being so tired? Now, wouldn't mind getting your two cents on this one, Courtney, given that of the two of us, you're the one that's worked the most like being in shifts given your old work in the wedding industry. Mm. So what's the deal, bruh? Yeah, the sleep is uh, definitely impacted. <laughs> um, would it be better to skip a workout? I, I, for, for me, I always got it in. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't like you could look back on it and think, oh, I was so tired. But to me, your body's then, even if you feel like you're tired working out, you, your body's going to work within its limits that it can push out. And you usually, to me, make up for it in then the next session of that one. So it wouldn't be uncommon for me, say, to go to the gym after a big long night and I was tired, but I'd still go to the gym and potentially I wouldn't go up in weight or even maybe have to regress a little bit. But to me, it always still like I was achieving something because my body was working to the limit that it was going to. So as long as I was paying attention to what I was doing, I wasn't so fatigued that I was going to injure myself doing the training, um, that I could make sure I was paying attention to it. To me, it was still worthwhile doing because I was also still developing that habit of doing it. Um, But often what I would try to do, I mean, it it really does depend on your shift work, but what I would try to do also is just work it around. So maybe I worked out in the afternoon rather than the the morning that day or something like that. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Mm. So I wouldn't necessarily – I'd change maybe the time of the day the next day if I could of when I was going to be there. Um, It also worked a little bit easier for me in a way that I sort of had a month roster at a time. So I could sort of plan my month ahead when I knew when I was going to have a late night early finish or, you know, maybe I had a quick turnover. So I was late night, early start the next day. So each week I would plan my exercise sessions around my schedule. So it wasn't necessarily I did the same day every week. Mm -hmm. It did vary slightly depending on my roster. Do you recall when you and I – were first working together before you shamelessly hit on me. Mm-hmm. Back when we used to be trainer and, and client, you would actually send me your schedule ahead of time because you had it in advance. And that's I think that's a really tremendous point was the first thing I was going to get to is, well, okay, how far in advance do you know your schedule and you know how, how can you plan around it? So if you know, because we, we, we work with shift workers, we've worked with shift workers and we will work with shift workers in the future because that's part of life. First question I've got is, well, what's your schedule? Mm. How far in advance do you know it? Mm. And as Courtney said, how can you plan around it? So if you know, well, okay, I've got a bit of a crunch coming up where I've got two days pretty much back-to-back nightmare shifts, but I've got three days off. Mm. Well, in that case, you know what? You might just prioritize the sleep to get you through your work without being a zombie and then go and hit the gym in in your days off. On the other hand, you also look at it where it's like, well, you, it, there's also the importance of establishing habits mm. and the regular habit of going. So it's I don't think there's a hard and fast rule for this because I even would say to someone like Casey, 
give it a shot and learn. Yeah. You'll know. You'll know if you can get away with it. You'll know if you can't. You'll know if you need to reschedule and be adaptable and maybe push things back. Or as Courtney said, shift from PM to AM or AM to PM. Do it and find out. Yeah. The first thing I would do, first thing is, okay, how far in advance do I know my schedule and how well can I plan around that? Yeah. And I think the planning is one thing, but to me at the end of that, I would still, for myself, I would have still prioritised doing it over mm-hmm. not doing it. Yep. Personal choice. And it's personal it choice. It. it just, I guess it depends on how tired or how much impact you feel like it had. So it's not uncommon for me in those situations to, as I say, not go up in weight or go down in weight slightly so I could get it done in a safe way. But I always felt like it was worthwhile because it wasn't so much down that I wouldn't make it back. And my body, I felt like I was always able to push it to its limit that it could do that day. Well, I know with um, I know with some shift workers, they will, for example, go and hit their training session on the way home. Yeah. So it's like they know when I get home and I put my feet up, like I ain't getting back up. No. So I'm getting it done on the way on the way home, then it's done, it's taken care of, have some food, have a nap, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it just takes, as you say, a little bit of planning and it's sort of like how your body responds. But um yeah. I don't I don't think there's, as I said before, a hard and fast right or wrong no. way to approach this. It's it's a case of looking at your schedule, um, putting a plan together, executing the plan, and then assessing what the outcome is. Like, okay, this felt fine. I think I can do this again. Great. Or, okay, I felt like garbage. Mm. This was terrible. Okay, great. You've learned something else there. Yeah. And you'll try something different the next time out. It'll be different from person to person. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to depend on week to week as well. Absolutely. So there, there definitely is with, with shift workers, there is, with everyone, there's a need for adaptability and flexibility with this. There really is with shift workers. Oh, because yeah. like you, it's not just a case of you work some pretty wacky shifts, but there can be those shit happens times where it's like, fuck, I've got to stay here an extra four hours, an extra five hours. Oh, I'm now doing a back-to-back or whatever it might be. Yeah, well, you, you might, you might be on it. call and you just get called in at, at random times. There, is the, your need, plans out of there is the need to roll with the punches. There is. And as you that. said, I think when the tiredness comes into it, you just have to – sometimes as well that's going to be a case-by-case basis because you might be tired but not so tired and then there might be other times where you think, okay, no, this is legitimately dangerous if I go to the gym right now. If if it was my, if, if I was the co- if I was this person's coach – I would say put a plan together based on how you know your schedule, execute it, then come back and tell me what you thought yeah. and how you found it. Then we'll adjust from there and, and, and go. Ultimately, it's the best way to get information is just put a plan together, execute it, learn, go from there. Yep. Yeah? All right. Next one. Sharon, I'd like some information about weight loss during and leading up to menopause. I've read that leading up to and during menopause, the body holds onto fat cells as they contain estrogen. Is that correct? And are there any tips for weight loss during this time? Now, full disclosure, I have not had menopause and I don't think I'm going to. No. Just call it a gut feeling. Courtney, as of yet, a bit too young, one might say, potentially for, for menopause. Yes, that's, a bit too young. that's a little while, little while away for you. Um, however, I have worked with uh, a number of menopausal women in my time 
And the tips I can give for weight loss during those times is actually the same tips I would give anyone else. Control the controllables. The thing is with menopause, it's not going to be always the same symptoms for, for every woman. It's going to be different from woman to woman to woman. So it's like every, you're all going to be your own unique puzzle mm-hmm. when it comes to this. However, control the controllables is always the, over, the overriding recommendation here. Now, I do know that with, with menopausal women, um, in terms of you know, their weight loss goals, their best friend is strength training. Shock horror, everyone's best friend is strength training when it comes to wanting to improve you know, weight loss, body shape, body composition. Bone density. Bone density, Ab- absolutely. Stage, yeah. Yep, for sure. So breaking news, strength training is important. Like, mm. Oh my God, I just did the research and look like I just found out. I'm a fucking genius. So strength training is number one. Yeah. But like every other time and every other person during a weight loss journey, well, let's see what, what you can get from the food that you're eating, from the, the liquids that you're consuming, from your sleep habits where you can. Again, controlling the controllables. Yes. thing is your body's changing and you're going to go through, like some women I've worked with go through some pretty fucking shitty, like I'm, hey, I'm very fortunate that as a male, I don't go through some of the bullshit that women have to go through in life. Like I full respect yes. to women. Like seriously, you girls are the fucking best. Thanks. And I've dodged all this stuff. You know, but some of the symptoms I've seen women go through with menopause is like, holy fuck, how do you function doing this? Like tip of the cap mm-hmm. to you. But again, you control the controllables. Yep. But the fundamentals that apply to me as a non-menopausal man will apply to a menopausal woman. Okay, what training can you do? Let's base it around strength training. Okay, what are the good food choices you can make yep. that will work with, within you and within your body that sit well with you? Yep. You know, like it's... I'd like to sit here and give the secret source and, and give some sort of scientific insight into this. No, nope, the fundamentals still apply. Um, they just, you know, you you get the feedback from the woman based on how she's feeling, how things are sitting, etc., and you just adjust as you go along. But overall, the best advice and the best tip I would give for weight loss is you control the controllables. Not many people can look in the mirror and say yes. I am honestly giving it my 100% best. Mm. If you get to that stage, take what your body gives you. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Next one? Yep. Also, Sharon, you've mentioned it's beneficial to have a break between training programs. Does this relate to just weight training or does it include cardio as well? That's a good question. It tends to, most of the time when we're talking about it, it is mostly weight training, just because of the load that it puts through your joints and your body. However, again, I know we're not answering these so black and white, are we? Because there's no real black and white answers. One size does not fit all. It really does depend on the person. So it's not necessarily that it's not including cardio. It certainly can. It can, depending on how your body is responding and and how much of a rest that you need. Well, let me give you an example. When it comes to deloading with cardio, you might go, oh, well, for a, a couple of weeks or even a month or, or whatever, I'm not going to do any sort of explosive work mm. and I'm going to get the impact out of my body. Yes. You know, so it is, it, for us, it is predominantly weight training, but it can indeed include cardio where it can be, well, hey, and this is what we tell our clients, like depending on where they are, like, again, it's not a one size fits all approach, but 
Actually, I'll give a personal example. My my deloads, right, used to be like I'm I'm not doing jack for a week. Yeah. Like I'm I'm putting my feet up. I'm busting out the PlayStation controller and you fucking ha. I'm getting yeah. into this shit. And so I have a week of doing nothing and then bang straight back into it. Bit more advanced now, a bit more conditioned. Um, I have what I would consider an active deload. So on my deloads, I may still even do some form of weight training, but it 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 ain't heavy. No. I might go and play around with some new, you know, use some machines I haven't used ever or for a long time. Mm. Or try some new exercises out that I haven't done before or haven't done for a long time. But the weight is very, very light compared yes. to what I normally do. And when it comes to cardio, it might be like, well, hey, as I've done in the past, if you've seen Courtney, I'll take a break from martial arts, I'll take a break from running or hill sprints or explosive stuff, and I'll just do more machine work. Yes. More supported work so there's not as much impact going through my body. Yes. So it can indeed include both. It just will depend on the individual and the situation as to what the recommendation is. Yeah. For a beginner, um, I generally would recommend um, definitely backing out of the weight training for at least a week. Sometimes we've, we've had clients that take take upwards of a month yeah. on a deal. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, your body, and we, you know, it is what it is. Um, but we also say, well, hey, stay active through the week. Yep. Go for your walks or go for your bike rides, do some gardening, whatever it might be. Maybe even hit a couple of um, intense cardio sessions. But, hey... Let's let's ease off the burpees and the explosive star jumps and the box jumps and all that sort of fun stuff or the the, the boxing or whatever. And let's just do machine based work for a week. Cross you know, trainer, cross trainer, stationary bike, stationary bike. Your favorite, the stair machine. Yeah, you know things where you're still going to get your heart up, your heart yeah. rate up. You're still going to get a sweat. You're still going to feel like you're doing something, but your joints and your ligaments and your tendons and your muscles are not quite copying the hammering that they can get through a hard in our case, 12-week training block. Yes. Uh, so short answer, it can indeed include cardio. Yeah. We did it. We got there. Yeah. The short answer is, yes, it can be both. I think the short answer also is that you just really need to be honest and listen to your body. Mm. But it's not just – I want to highlight, though, that you have to be honest. So you have to listen to your body, but you have to be honest about it. So if you legitimately – are feeling like your joints are sore and your muscles are sore, just, yeah, absolutely. Just do some walks during the week, but do no cardio, no weights. Just let your body rest. Yep. But if you, you know, if you feel like you could still do something like you're sore, but you're not that sore, then, yeah, by all means, put a couple of cardio sessions in there. But, yeah, you've really just got to be honest with yourself. I think there is, as I said with the with the shift work question, there is the importance of maintaining good habits. The, the routine is what you just want to be careful, I agree, that you don't completely lose because a lot people just say, oh, it's only one week. but oh, that One the, week can become a month or plus. The, Absolutely. The, it's so easy for our minds to switch off in a week. Fucking it really nice. is. Absolutely. Your mind can switch off in a day. Mm. So you've got to really be careful that you're definitely, as you said, Matt, you're staying active. Whatever you're doing, however, however – much deload you want to bring in that week or two weeks or whatever or two weeks you must stay active well so the the phrase i use with clients is okay you're you're gonna be on a deload let's replace your weight training sessions so we're not gonna we're not going to go from okay you've developed a good habit of going to the gym two times a week three times a week and we're going to replace that with doing fucking nothing 
Like, yeah. no. I can let's replace it, it with, was me. Let's replace it with doing something else. Like, as I said to some clients, like, you know what? For a week or two, get the fuck out of the gym. Go do some hiking. Yeah. Get on your bike, go for a couple of long bike rides. Like, whatever floats your boat. Stay active, but do something different. I guarantee if it was me, um, I, I don't think I've ever had a deload week where I've done nothing. And I sure have. <laughs> I guarantee that with my mindset, if I did, it would be very hard to get back into it. I yeah, I haven't. To be fair, I haven't had one of those um, do nothing deload weeks for years. Again, mine are active. Yeah. Now as well, but it's, it's person to person. It is. Um. Okay. Next one. Yes. Jennifer, sometimes I feel nauseated during weight training sessions. That's what I'm talking about. What is the best way to avoid this? Don't go to the gym. <laughs> is it a question of not enough food or the right kind of food? Not enough water? I try to make sure I'm on top of these things, but sometimes I still feel sick. Courtney, what's up? Well, I mean, it's hard to say exactly why Jennifer feels sick. You could feel sick just legitimately because you're pushing yourself really hard. That's the first thing I thought <laughs> um, of. That you know, in the best of people that will still make them feel sick. Um, makes me feel sick, so. Oh, you can't see it. I'm raising my hand. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're on a podcast. But, yes, indeed. Um, but, yeah, no, it could it could literally be as simple as that, but it also could be something else. I think that um, you want to – I probably not – it's probably not, not enough water, you know, because you want to be careful when you're doing exercise not to drink too much water because that will make me feel sick. Um, especially if you're doing sort of high intense cardio stuff, like if I drink too much water, that'll make me feel sick. She also could be referring to um, inadequate inadequate water intake in the in the day or days leading up to it, which can make you feel sick. Definitely, well, dehydration can definitely make you feel sick. I'll tell you something, right? In terms of feeling nauseated during a weight training session, okay, can it be because you are pushing hard? Yes. Can it be because you're not eating enough food? Yes. yes. Can it be because you're not eating really good food, this quality fuel for your body? Yes. yes. Can it be that you are slightly dehydrated since most people are every single day of their lives? Yes. Yes. Can it be that you're eating too close to an intense session? Yes. Yes. Okay, so basically we've said yes to everything that you've brought up. Now, what does this mean? This means you've got to try one thing and see what it does. Yeah. Okay, so if... This is, this is part of how this works, okay, long-term. So is the question, I'm not eating enough food. Okay, have a slight increase and, and assess what the difference is. Make sure nothing else changes. Change that one thing and you'll know. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not that. Oh, I'm going to increase my water. Okay, I'll increase my water intake from, for starters, to know what you're having. So assess what you're having. So, okay, well, I'm, I'm drinking a litre and a half of water a day. Okay, try two. And see what that gives you. And you get the information from that. Oh, okay. There's no fucking difference. Well, what about your sleep? Mm. Is it possible you might need an extra half, half an hour of sleep and I can make a difference? Okay. I might try to go to bed half an hour earlier for a week and see what difference that makes. Oh, I still feel the same. Maybe then you are just nauseated because you're just busting your ass. Mm. In which case, yes, that's what I like. Yes. That's how it should be because I, I can say I do get nauseated during weight training sessions and I know why. It's because I am working my tail off. Yes. So 
In answer to the, in answer to the question, Jennifer, yes to everything. Yes. <laughs> Does that help? We're not being very helpful, I feel like, but yeah. This is why I said at the start of the show, your mileage may vary as to what our best actually <laughs> is. But yes, it could be a, it could be a combination of those yeah, things. It could be none of those things. It's hard to say, but I definitely agree. Great advice. Just try one thing and just see Assess whether it, it helps. Because mm-hmm. ultimately as well, that's just giving you information on your body. Like I know with me, for example, if I have a poor night's sleep or I go to bed a bit too late, I know what I'm walking into the next day because mm-hmm. I've experimented with this before. Yeah. You know? I know. Just, sorry, I just had a thought also with Jennifer's question. It doesn't say when during her weight training sessions that she feels nauseous. So that is, it just says during. So that would be something also that you could start to think about because if you are feeling nauseous after mm. the first set or after your warm-up, then, yeah, it's probably not because you're going too hard. It's probably one of the other things. I'll tell you what, that's a very good thought because then it makes you think, well, okay, is this during all weight training sessions? Yeah. Or well, she says sometimes, so probably not. Okay, okay. Now then. What are you doing when you get this? Is this happening on leg day and you're doing single leg deadlifts like yeah. I do and I'm nauseated every fucking Sunday morning doing this piece of shit exercise? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can then you can then narrow this down to, okay, I feel nauseated doing these hard as fuck exercises. Well, okay, that yeah. makes total sense and that explains it. You're doing yeah. hard exercises. Welcome to the club. Yeah. I, I look for patterns in that as well. Mm. So you got to look for patterns in, you're right, is it is it a particular workout? So is it upper body day, lower body day? Is it random? Or also look for a pattern in when during the workout you're feeling this? You see, this is why we are so big on recording things. Yeah. Because you can start recording your training logs. I do this exercise and I feel like this. Like, yes. oh, okay, this particular exercise makes me feel like my head's about to fall off. That's another really good tip, actually, because you should record it if you're trying to find a pattern because you won't remember. So I would definitely record it. Try to find a pattern. And then if you are confident that there's no easy answer of yeah i'm just i've realized it's just after leg day and it's towards the end of my exercise routine so i'm just probably feeling fatigued and sick go sit down if that pattern shows up you've probably got your answer if it's a random pattern and you can't really seem to get a good handle on it or it is early in your workouts probably too early in your workouts to be fatigue um, based then i would start to look at trialing some of these other things Mm. and one thing at a time and Record it, and usually you'll find your culprit. I reckon if you if you were to spend a good two, three, four weeks documenting everything, all your training, all your sleep patterns, everything you eat, and I mean everything, everything you drink, and I mean everything. When you feel sick. When and you, then yeah. adding in this extra information, you'll as find Courtney it. said, you, you then go back and review. Like I know for me, if I, if someone, if I saw – if I saw Jennifer's what we call seven-day meal records for a month, I would spot what this issue is. Yep. Because I've got the information to look at. Yeah. Next one. Mm-hmm. Gail, you talk about not weighing yourself. You, Courtney, you talk about not weighing yourself and you talk about that it doesn't matter if you're making real change, you'll see it. I agree. But why not get on the scales two to three times per week to measure progress? Can you expand on this? I can expand on this. We've recorded two other podcast episodes about this. One is about putting the scales away. 
if you give me a moment, Courtney, I will even look up the episode number because that's the sort of nice guy that I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do talk about it a lot and I think, well, I'll, I'll start while Matt looks up the episodes that he's going to reference, but two to three times a week is a really long time. Really, it's a lot to me- measure progress. You are not going to you're going to see so much variation. If you were to, like, let's just say, for instance, you decided to, I'm going to weigh myself three times a week. You are going to see so much variation from those three times in one week and then week to week. You're not even going to get a good gauge about your results anyway. Not to mention for females, you're adding in a menstrual cycle. That's going to change your body weight. You're gonna change in. You'd you'd have to be you'd have to be so anal about exactly when you do, when you are weighing yourself, what you did that day. You'd have to record everything. So you'd have to record what time you're doing it. Did you eat? Did you go to the toilet beforehand? Is it is it, what time of the month is it for you as a female? There's so many variations that can come in. I mean. To me, it's just a complete waste of time. The only, You've got so much other stuff to record. The only reason I would recommend to someone to get on the scales two to three times a week to measure progress is if I didn't like them and I wanted to fuck with their head. Yeah. Other other than that, there is no reason. Um, episode number 17. 17. 17, one seven. Why wait, put the scales away and lose more? But, But if you remember, Courtney, as a matter of fact... Just at the end of last year, season six, how do you measure progress? Mm. The episode where we spoke about scales, DEXA scans, BMI. Oh, God, don't be start on BMI. My but- recommendation, Gail, to begin with is to listen to those two episodes if you yeah. want us to expand on it. There's a couple of hours worth there. Um, and honestly, as, as someone who coaches this for a living, not in a million fucking years would I recommend to any of my clients to be on the scales two or three times a week because I care for their mental health. I was about to say, if you want to waste your time and if you would like to impact your own emes- emotional nice. health, by all means, by all <laughs> means do it. That is such a mat answer. Literally, but honestly, it's, it's honestly not worth the time and the effort for the outcome, you've got to think well, also, about what, what are you getting out of it is really what you've got to think about. The time and the effort to put in. A lot of people just think, oh, it's not any time or effort because you're just jumping on the scales. Incorrect. Because you have to, to be able to do it properly, you have to do it at the exact same time with the exact same situations, eating the exact same food, drinking the exact same liquid to get a proper outcome. Well, well, no, you actually you're not because how are you getting a proper outcome when it's just a fucking number? It's giving you your relationship with gravity. Like I can go weigh myself, right, within a 10-minute span, right, and I could lose half a kilo. You know what happened? I took a poo. Literally, yes. This is what I mean. Oh, it, it's just there's too many factors. It's not just as I, easy as jumping on the scale. There's too many if, factors. I would just, just say, look, listen to episode 17 and then go listen to season six, how do you measure progress, and that's where we expand upon it. I will go to the next one. But at the end of the day, whatever floats your boat. Just don't come back and just don't complain about it when it starts messing with your head. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Marissa, what are your thoughts on incorporating a fat burner and creatine into a daily routine? I have recently started adding weight training into my routine. Well done. 
and both of these were recommended to me. Do you think adding supplements like these make a difference? Well, I'll tell you something. As someone who knows a bit about supplements, me, that is, you cannot get two more opposite ends of the scale than creatine and fat burners. Mm. I'll, I'll explain why. Creatine is, along with whey protein, the most researched, proven over decades supplement in the world. And as a matter of fact, one of Matt's personal golden triangles of supplements, the three supplements where these are the three that are fucking essential. Protein, creatine, glutamine. Yes. They're, they're my three, like it's like, these. this is it. You're only buying this anything this just by these. Creatine is a legal performance enhancer. It is incredible. Fat burners are a fucking waste of time and money. If you want to increase the value of your pee, take fat burners. Those things are a waste of money. The ultimate fat burner, vegetables. Oh, what a boring answer. I've heard of someone that actually takes a fat burner powder as their pre-workout because I think it has like the caffeine intake or something like that is high. Plenty of people people do that. Yeah, I think think she takes the powder in her pre-workout shake. But it's that's, not as an actual fat burner. That's fine. All I will say is the people that make the fat burner appreciate her money. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, the real answer to the question is this is it's a dangerous thing to recommend to people, especially beginners, about, oh, well, now that you're lifting weight training, you should take these supplements, take this and this and this. Well, what, what's your whole food habits like? Yeah. Do you know how to get in the kitchen and plan and prepare your own meals? No. Why are you fucking doing supplements? Creatine is also it's a fantastic it's a fantastic supplement, but it's unless you know how to use it properly, you're not well, going there, there is that as well. But my actual answer to this question is do I think supplements like these make a difference? Fat burners no. Creatine absolutely can, but and as I said there's always a but. Supplements aren't worth being introduced until someone's whole food habits and real food habits are looking pretty good. Because I've lost count of how many times I've seen people have what is a clear reliance on supplementation as an attempt to work beyond poor eating habits. Yes. In fact, there's actually, you know what? I can use myself as an example. I lost 80 kilograms in weight before I took a single fucking supplement. Yeah. Ever. And I'm like, that's no joke. Um, and the first supplement I did take by the time I lost all the weight, guess what my first ever supplement was, Courtney? Creatine. Creatine. <laughs> yep. And boy, did I feel a fucking difference because all it was was giving me that extra boost on top of my already solid whole food habits. Yes. And creatine, like I can sit here all day and tell you how good that shit is. Yes. Like once, once, and as Courtney said, it's, there's a skill in loading it. Yeah. And not everyone knows this. It's, yeah, but there is actually a bit of a formula to, yep. to loading it. Everything feels 20 kilos lighter and it's like, holy shit, I'm on fucking drugs. Yes. It's the greatest. However, however, in all seriousness... I don't recommend anyone take any sort of supplements until their whole food habits are pretty Mickey Mouse. Yes. And by that, I mean pretty good. Yes. Because otherwise, you're you're putting the money into these supplements and they're not really supplementing anything. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind, as we said before, Courtney, what is the definition of a supplement? It is to supplement what you're already doing. So yes. if, if you, Marissa, are someone who's just started adding weight training, to which I say, well done keep doing that, 
the first thing I'd look at is, well, okay, how consistent am I with my eating habits mm-hmm. in terms of meal frequency, the, the, the nutritional value and quality of what I'm eating? Yeah. Then for, like for me, if I'm coaching someone, it's like, well, before I recommend supplements, I want to see what your actual eating habits are like. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got someone where, you know, after a workout, their habit is, well, they're going to go through the drive through at McDonald's and smash some burgers and fries – but before the workout, they had whey protein, creatine, glutamine, and Gatorade. Like, you got your priorities mixed up, pal. Yes. Thoughts? I agree. One thing I can say, um, just finishing this question off, eventually um, creatine should definitely be part of the picture. Fat burners, save your money. Yeah, no, you don't need them. Vegetables, ultimate fat burner. Well, they're not going to actually burn your fat. So they're going to, you know, so yeah. I mean, no. if it works like that, then we'd all do it. Yeah, no, no. It's, I, I should just mention before we move on, um, 90, 99% of the supplement industry is full of shit and bullshit and is just there to take you or take your money from you and move on. I think you just have to be careful because one thing I learned that I wasn't aware of, that the supplement industry is highly, highly un, un, unregulated. In, in this country, it is. Yes. In Australia, it is very unregulated. Other countries might be different. But I think that for that reason, you just do have to be a little bit careful about the supplements that you're taking and yep. the reliance on them. Yep. Uh, Without question. But yeah, that's, again, supplements not worth looking at until whole food habits are, are well established. Yes. Okay. Next one from Benny. Short and sweet. How do you overcome temptations for snacking between meals? You eat. (laughs) I think you just have to think of it less as snacking and more of eating. So that's where people say, you know, why do you eat so often during the day? To stop myself from snacking on food because I'm hungry. So for me, I'm having making sure that I'm, I'm eating a quality amount of food. So I'm not overeating. But I'm eating, I'm adding enough vegetables or salad or whatever to my food that I feel full mm. when when I get to the end of my meal. I'm not depriving myself of food. So I'm not getting to the end of my meal because I'm sort of cutting calories or I'm aiming for, you know, such a calorie deficit that I'm getting to the end of my meal and I'm still starving. I think that's one thing. So to the keep carrot in mind. and the celery stick wasn't enough? Is that no. what you're saying? So the handful of almonds didn't quite hit the spot? No. So to bulk out your meal with something really calorie or energy sparse like vegetables or mm. salads or, you know, something nutritious like that, you know, I'm getting to the end of my meal and I'm feeling full, which is obviously a big part of it. Mm. The other part is is that I've spread out my food so I eat multiple times a day. Well said. So I don't feel like for me it's not like breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. For me it's Meal one, meal two, meal three. For me, it's just food, food, yeah. food, food. Yeah. So I'm not, um, you know, I'm not massively, it's not like I'm eating double the amount of food every day because mm. I'm spreading out my food across the day. Um, well, the word meal doesn't have to imply banquet. No. And I it? think for me personally as well, that was a big psychological thing for me was to take out the word snack. Oh? Yeah. Do tell. Well, for me, I wouldn't refer to having another meal as a snack. Mm. So even if it was a smaller sort of maybe I'm making like a protein smoothie, you know, or something like that. So maybe in between like my lunch and my dinner, 
for the afternoon, I'm having a, a berry smoothie with protein powder. Or a smoothie bowl, which I like. Or a smoothie bowl. You know, so, you know, making my own smoothie bowl with fruit, extra fruit or something like that. Delicious. To me, other people would necessarily call that a snack. To me, I still refer to it as a meal. So for me, psychologically, I just refer to if I'm making a conscious choice to be eating a really good balanced um, meal, every meal, even if it's something smaller or something that people would consider a snack like that, I still personally like to refer to it as a meal. Two reasons, two primary reasons why people tend to snack between meals. One, rule of proximity. Yes. To begin with. Um, however, one can't always be in full control of the rule of proximity. No. Um, however, it is without question, it is a factor. Mm-hmm. If it's nearby, you will eat it. Um, the other main reason, however, is often, as Courtney sort of touched on, is. Either someone is skipping meals, right? Yep. Or what they are having isn't quite hitting the spot. Mm-hmm. So what I would just recommend is someone has a thing where, okay, well, I'm between meals. And again, there's a bit of information missing here in, okay, what meals are they between? Like are we talking like a, a six-hour gap between lunch and dinner and we're snacking between meals? We'll turn that snack into a nutritious uh, a nutritious meal of its own. Yeah. As I said before, a meal does not have to be a banquet. No. It can be a relatively modestly sized but highly nutritious meal that is tasty and hits the spot and fills you up and keeps you going. And if you're doing it deliberately, you are less likely then to eat something you're going to regret later. Yeah, I don't I don't snack anymore just because I I eat con- have a consistent meal frequency. I think it's also being eating consciously. So I think Ooh. also snacking can lead to unconscious eating. So if, if you are yeah. hungry, legitimately ask yourself, okay, how long since I ate last? And deliberately go and make something for yourself that you know is going to be nutritious for you. Mm. If you ignore the hunger and you're not even recognizing it, you are more likely to unconsciously eat. And then when we unconsciously eat, we're always going to reach for the thing that's going to be worse for us. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm, this is why I'm not a fan of grazing. So I feel like you know, if you are hungry, think about why you're hungry and deliberately eat. The one other thing I will just mention with this topic is there's something that Matt's taught me a lot of is just make sure that your your liquid intake is up, so your water intake is up, because often we can our bodies can try to convince us that we're hungry when we're actually thirsty. And our and our we are feeling dehydrated. So Matt taught me a little tip that you know go and have a big glass of water. And if you're still hungry, then you're probably legitimately hungry. That hit me right in the feels. Mm. I got got to say, and I can ask you, Courtney, because it's sitting here next to me in the desk. What do I have after every meal? A big glass of water. Mm -hmm. For that exact reason. Yes. Because I know if I'm still hungry after that big, well, it's not really a glass, it's a mug, but yes, yes that big sort of, you know, whatever it is, cup of water. If I'm still hungry, I'll, I'll make the adjustment for next time, won't I? Yes. Cool. Uh, second last one. Yes. You're going to love this. Kirsten, hi, Courtney and Matt. Yes. As it should be. I know I need to change one thing at a time. And I started with cutting down how much I eat fast food. I made a plan, 
great words. <laughs> I made a plan to limit the amount each month. That makes me happy. Just people planning. Good stuff. Not being sarcastic, by the way. Legit. Love it. How do I know when I'm ready to move on to another goal? My all or nothing mentality wants to speed things up, but I'm trying to break the cycle. I Can I just give my answer very short and sweet? Yes. How do I know when I'm ready to move on to another goal? One, when the goal you've been working towards or what you've established feels normal mm-hmm. and, and consistent and sustainable is the first part of my answer. The second part is back yourself. Yeah. Give it a crack, mate. Give it a crack. You're going to learn one way or the other, aren't you? Yeah. Well, my answer was going to be pretty similar to that, which was if you move on to the next goal and the first one that you were implementing into your routine starts to waver, then you've moved on too quickly and go back. Great stuff. Mm. Yeah. That's all I can say there. When it, For me, when it feels normal and Courtney, if the other one starts to suffer, that's how you know you've gone too soon. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with just pulling it back. Well, I mean, there's always going to be a bit of give and take yeah. with this, isn't there? It's, it's, not, it's not just like, oh, I'm on the straight path to success. Like, no, yep. you are not. Uh, second question from Kirsten as well. My second question is about making a goal for better food choices at home. What is something I can focus on in terms of my next nutritional goal? So this is following on from the, you know, I've, um, I've you know, limited my fast food each month. Um, what's something I can focus on in terms of my next nutritional goal? For example, increased vegetables or making sure all meals are a balanced meal. I'm not sure how to measure progress. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I would say pick one. Um... I'll tell you something. This is why coaching is so important. Yeah. For yeah. me, for me, I would say, well, let's look at your meal record and I'll tell you what your next goal needs to be. I was just about to, to say, it's sort of hard to know without seeing it. Um, next nutritional goal, it sort of depends where you're at. But again, I feel like if you're recording all of your food, for example, increased vegetables. I have an idea. May I? Yep. You could also look at this and go, well, Okay. What do I know is one of my worst habits yeah, that yeah. I think I can address right now? So, for example, what if I say, well, you know what? <laughs> I've noticed that six or seven nights of the week, I tend to, bottle, to, to polish off half a bottle of champagne every single fucking night. And I think it might be time to start replacing that with something a bit different. And I think I'm ready for it now. There's your answer. Alternatively, it could be, well, you know what? I go out for a girls' night every weekend with the girls and we go and you know, have some good food. But gee, I go overboard and I tend to have you know, almost a full litre of ice cream every single time. I think I'm ready to work on that. Go work on that. I think you're hitting, hitting something here and I've just reread the second part of this question. It says here, for example, increased vegetables or making sure all meals are a balanced meal. That there is perfect. So I think Matt's hit the nail on the head. Think about what your worst habits are because we've all got them. doesn't matter how good you are. You've still got a bad habit. Also, Truth. I think in that example, for instance, you've just given, you would make sure the meals you're having 
are great before you increase anything. So to, for, me, for my mind, before you make any change by increasing anything, it's the same thing with the previous answer in terms of how to move on to the next goal. Make sure what you're doing is consistent and sustainable. Mm. Then move on. So in that example you, you, you've just given, you've just said making sure all meals are a balanced meal. If they are not, that's your answer. Well, it could be. I mean, ultimately it comes down to what what do you feel comfortable tackling next because most people will have a long list oh, yeah. of things that, that require improving. Well, it doesn't say anything here about, as you mentioned before, liquid intake. So mm. are you drinking water? Are you drinking soft drink? Well, in this case, we're talking about a balanced meal. Could I mean, a goal could be, well, you know what? Add two to three different colours. Colour? To your variety? meals. Yes. As, like, you know, I'm I'm having a healthy meal, which happens to be half a kilo of green beans. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, cool. And chicken. No, yes. no, just half a kilo oh. of green beans. Oh, yeah, that's not a meal. That's just beans. Beans, it's my meal. Don't judge me. Fuck yeah. You, okay, you might go, okay, well, look, your your meal is green. Yep. Let's try and add some red, yellow, and orange Yep. to it. You know, there's, there's multiple ways to approach this, which is why I sort of said before, well, what do you think is the next habit that you can work on? Yeah, I agree. I think that when you talk about balance, those are the sort of things that you'd bring in next, for, for my mind. Variety. Well, I mean – Balance can be variety, can be color, can be protein, can be quality fat sources. Like, where do we go from here? Have you got protein in your meals? And it doesn't even matter if you're vegan, vegetarian, or you eat meat. Protein is protein. We We need protein. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think those sort of things, for my mind, would be top of the list. Variety. Are you getting, you know, a good mixture of fats, um, vegetables, proteins in there? You've also you've also said something pretty good before, Courtney, in terms of liquid. Liquid, liquid, I think is often overlooked. Obviously, because we're always focused on the food. Mm. Um, liquid intake is a big one to make sure that we're that we're building a consistent habit of. So, do you still drink too much soft drink? Do you need well, to pull back? Do you forget to drink water? And do you need to make sure that you're hitting certain goals uh, well, with your water intake? Rather than say need, I would say, is there room to improve? Yeah. Is there room to improve? Or it's like, oh, you know what? I'm only drinking half a litre of water a day. Well, you know what? Maybe that's the next thing to work on. Yep. It, it ultimately will come down to what a person feels they're ready for. Yeah. Um, the phrase I like to use is, what is the lowest hanging fruit? Go and pick that. Yeah. I definitely would always, air, like just in this this personal example for me, it would be, Increase vegetables over making sure all your meals are balanced. I'd always pick make sure your meals are balanced before you increase. I mean, it could, you could even go a step further and go the next nutritional goal could be increased meal frequency. It could be the frequency. But is there any point in increasing meal frequency if the meals that you're having are garbage? It will depend on the person. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like she's having garbage meals. No, I'm just saying. So for me, I, I personally would always look at the quality of what you're doing. To me... I would be a little bit different in that you have to assess where the person is where the person is at. My my first thing to look at is well, okay, does this person have the habit of meal prep? Yeah, well, that's true. And I guess if you're not meal prepping, then I guess if you're only eating once a day, then yes, you also have to increase. But so it, you are it, also right. But but it is a case by case basis. It is. It's too. It's, yes, it's very hard to give a concrete answer. Mm-hmm. All right, so we we have done a whole Q and A of answering fucking nothing. 
We've given a lot of um, we are ifs co- and maybes. We are but- covering ourselves in glory to end this season. Like, get around us. We're all over it. Well, hopefully it's at least, even if it hasn't answered your question to the T, at least it's given you something to think about. I'll tell you something. What else this could also mean? Um, don't be afraid to send us detailed questions. Yeah, make the sure. More, the more detail in the questions, the more detail in the answers. <laughs> yes. Email us as well. If you've, if, if you've got an example of your week or something like that, send it along with the question. Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com. Do I have that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Same way I have mine. Yeah, but we just use podcasts at theweightlosspodcast.com. Yes, we do. Uh, that's it. We've just literally ticked over an hour of waffling on and answering 10 questions and saying very little. Okay. So that's it. Did we have questions we didn't get to? We did. Okay. So we'll, we'll be back here next week. <laughs> but wait, if if you liked what you got this episode of us saying a lot but saying nothing, guess what? There's more. So there's still time. If you're listening to this episode. We have got some more questions to go through for another Q&A for sure, but we will definitely love to have more. Like yes. if, if we have to do three, we'll do three. Look, and I, if, I love this shit. If your answer was, was, if your question, sorry, was answered here and you do have more detail that you'd like to share for us to elaborate on the answers we gave. Please pick our brains. Send it through podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. We will add it to the list, but that is enough for us for now, from us for now. We will be back. We're done. We'll be back next week and we'll be answering more questions then. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 